0: You're now listening
1: to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at soundtalentmedia.com. This
0: is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. All right, so I can't tell you guys exactly with any certainty what my favorite day of the week is anymore because I have I'm enjoying all these episodes. I particularly like talking to Dan on Wednesdays. So that one's great. He's in person, comes in the studio. But on the other hand, talking to Tim from Under Oath is always one of my favorite things to do and uh today the the conversation was really good i'm going to apologize for some spottiness in his skype feed he was just on his mobile from Skype uh, he's on vacation he's in Florida and he was just walking around with Wi-Fi at his hotel and gracious enough to give us uh, some time today so you will forgive that I hope uh, but it's pretty a pretty amazing thing and Tim is really fun to talk to today and I'll I'll uh, sort out one other thing this title of this episode I'm just letting you guys know we don't have to this episode may be about some more technical and specific and it's not the most humorous podcast in the world but we don't take ourselves that seriously here and that's something I want to impart over time is that this podcast can be fun too so the episode you'll have to wait and see but tim does actually say later in the episode uh there's a direct quote from him as i want to stab an old lady so you have to find where that is but that's that explains the title lest you be worried about the, the goofy title um on the episode today so he'll be up here in just a minute i want to tell you about broadcast supply worldwide Before we go any further, Broadcast Supply Worldwide is my sponsor for this podcast. They're the title sponsor. They're the the one that makes this thing happen right now. Uh, I have a banner of them in my studio. The website is bswusa.com is where I get and where you should get all of your uh, recording and podcast and and audio gear. Uh, I really appreciate them. And here's the thing I found. They're better than the other online retailers. Their prices are already great. On top of that, they have great phone service that answers a bunch of questions. They've been doing broadcasting business stuff since 1973. They have a huge warehouse with thousands of items in stock. They have custom bundles, podcast exclusives, and everything you need to do any kind of broadcast or podcast. So um, They have how-to videos over there. They take this stuff really, really seriously. They're very specialized into broadcasting and, and podcasting. They have a warehouse in in Ohio and the shipments can get almost anywhere in a day or two Uh, if you spend over $99 you get free ground shipping just from that alone sales reps always on the phone Uh, it's great and I'll tell you what this is what really takes the cake Other than good service, good products, uh, help, and great prices, you get 10% off of anything you do in podcasting if you use my promo code DOWN. So it helps me, and it helps you, and it's just something I would strongly urge everybody to do is go to bswusa.com, and that's where you buy your audio gear. Thank you. Also, really quickly, joeysturgistones.com. They also sponsor this podcast and make great audio software. So go check that out, and I'll tell you more about them another time. But Joey Sturgis Tones. And I think Joey's going to come on the show, so I'm excited to talk to him about music, producing, and, and his company too. So additionally, the only other couple things I want to tell you guys before we start in with Tim here, and that is uh, Emory, my band, is still doing a crowdfund at the moment. There's just a few days left in that. And we've raised A ton of money We really have It's already been A a total success And I think If we could raise Even more money Then I promise you We will use it for good. We will do something good with it. There's plenty of places for the money to go around and more things we'd be able to do if we can push this thing over the top. I'm personally just hoping we uh, raise the same amount we did last time. So, and we're very close and it looks like we'll be more successful with our second crowdfunding campaign for this record than we were with the previous. So, all good news. Good news on this show and the numbers and the audience. Everything's going super well and I'm genuinely and sincerely thankful to everybody for that. And then the last thing is, I just released, uh, just did a podcast for Tooth and Nail Records. Toby and I and Aaron Lunsford and uh, Billy Power have developed a whole show for Tooth and Nail Records, a podcast for them, and it's turned out great. Uh, maybe I mentioned it yesterday, but I might play the teaser again at the end of this episode. It's going to be amazing. We've got episodes about Under Oath and the time that they left Warp Tour and broke up or almost broke up. We have stuff about Me Without You interviews with. Brandon Ebel and Chad Johnson, we, we really go through and tell all the stories and folklore and legends of bands that have been on Tooth and Nail. I'm excited about that project. And so it'll be out really soon. The teaser is up now, and I ask everybody that would so please go subscribe to it and be ready for it It, it, it help everybody out. Uh, thank you guys for being a part of this. Let's uh, go on to the episode. Here we go. Break it down, Dada. Break it down, oh, break it down break it down oh break it down break it down oh break it down break it down oh break it down so yeah we're on we're on we're live we're making a podcast here so Tim I uh I'm I'm a little I'm a little frustrated and irritated if I'm really sitting here in my rainy studio in Seattle and you're like last week you were in L.A. walking around with palm trees playing a show for like ten thousand people and then this week am I right or wrong are you like at at the beach cabana in Mexico or something where are you I'm just sipping
1: some freaking vodka soda with lime in this grand resort son
0: where are you what city
1: I'm Cape Canaveral, Space Town, and uh, where the space shuttles go off in Florida.
0: We oh, uh, man. we
1: just got off a super long tour with Bring Me the Horizon. It was super successful, but also super draining. So, I promised my wife and kids we'd go on a vacation. And you and I had already blocked out Thursdays, so I told them this is my main thing I got to do. And then we're jumping in the pool, doing water slides, going to the beach, doing the whole nine yards.
0: I just I, you know. I don't know that I'd be able to pull this off. I, I I think my wife would probably kill me if I was if I was doing that. Maybe she's occupied, or you have a cooler wife than me. I feel like she'd kill me yeah. if I got off tour and took her on a vacation because I'd been gone, and then I still had to do a bunch of work or be on yeah, the podcast. Yeah, no,
1: Elizabeth and Bridget are actually the same type of person, but yeah, they're 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 both super sweet. And uh, I've known your wife for geez, yeah, fifteen years or ten years probably, but. Yeah, they're about the same. She doesn't love it, but I mean, it's always a balance <laughs> where you know she understands that the only reason why we can even come here is because of the things that we do, and you know, and she knows it's a passion of mine too to just kind of always be creative and doing stuff. So she's really good at supporting me, and I'm also really good at knowing like that fine line of when enough is enough, and really making you know the yeah. family the priority and just saying no. And that's a huge thing. Yeah, I've you learned probably over the last right about years. that.
0: You're probably right about that. There's one other factor that makes it go over smoother with you than me is uh, I come home from tour with Emory money and you come home from tour with under oath money. So that, <laughs> that's that got to help. <laughs> that's
1: true, yeah.
0: I, uh, I come home from tour and take her to Red Robin and, and say, you better not complain. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this half meal better be
0: enough. <laughs> yeah, it better be. That is, <coughs> no, that you, is too cool, but, but like it really shit. does. It does bring up the question of, like, just the whole thing of balancing work. I mean, because you're, you're doing work now, and, and I know you said this is just your thing, but you were also, you just texted me, you are on a, another call before this. So it's got to be hard to do. But the problem I have, and maybe you have the same one, is all of my work stuff is with my friends and people I like and people I know. Yeah. And so it's gotten to the point where that's so blurry that I don't, I just, there's just no difference, and, and, and every, almost everything goes through messaging and text these days for me, emails yeah. so slim, that I get texts all the time from people yeah. that I seem, that I seem like a jerk if I'm ignoring, but so much business comes through very, very personal channels for me, like phone calls and texts, that seems totally. like everything I do is over that, and there's just no distinction, I, I, I'm not doing a great job of managing it, to be honest, so...
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's tough. I mean, I think that's something we all have to battle. And I really think the larger component of, like, just work and personal always melding is... It, it's cool, right? So, like, the funny stuff that you can talk about is just everything I do is deductible. Like, yep. I'm this vacation is deductible. I came here to not only work, but I also run my wife and kids. But then I have other jobs, like, within this context. So, this is my mobile office. So... It, it's really interesting when you you know go to do taxes and you're like pretty much everything I did all year had something to do with work, and you just mm-hmm. want to be like a really honest dude, but you also recognize like everything, every meal I buy, every drink I buy, it's generally somehow related to work because I work with all my friends, and that's like the best part. The worst part is you don't have friends. You only have yeah. That's, only what, that's what I keep wondering. I say, wait a minute, you
0: know? are these people my friends, or maybe they're not my like I think of them as my friends. That's like fundamentally question. Like, wait a minute. Are me and Tim friends? Are we friends? Are are me and Toby friends, or is am I just valuable to him in business? I mean, I don't even know. Sometimes I get that freaked out about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think like I mean, and I think the litmus test there is like you know, you and I talk more now because obviously we're doing a weekly podcast for you know the next three, four, or five weeks or however long we do or keep it going or not, uh, depending on whatever. But you know, I think we talk more now than we ever did but for the, you know, eight or nine years we were just label mates. Like, you and I would just go chill and grab beers and, like, geek out on guitar gear or touring mm-hmm. ideas and you kind of managed Emery and I kind of managed Under Oath alongside our respective teams and still kind of do. You manage Emery actually now and I still am just kind of the guy in the band that does more than maybe some other guys in the band. Um, yeah. So we, we, would, we were always friends for a long time but then, yeah, as soon as there's mutual interest or a creative, collaborative idea. Now we're talking more and more and more. So I think that's tough up, friendship. And it also complicates it when things go weird. Um,
0: yeah, uh, that's true. But
1: yeah, I mean, when Under Oath broke up, I saw Grant and James and Chris regularly. Never really saw Aaron and Spee. Obviously, Aaron was in Paymore and Spencer, lives in New York. But all in all, we were still friends. But now that we're touring again, it's very much... You know, the the intensity and the frequency of friendship uh, has been doubled down on by professional interests as well. So it is a really interesting
0: scenario. And some people, I guess, like to have a work-life balance, but it's just, I don't know if that's even, it doesn't even make sense other than I need to put my phone down when I get home in the afternoon, I understand that. But it's, you know, a lot of people like to have their categories very separate so they could just get away from work and stuff like that. But for me, it's just kind of always been the opposite. I'm always looking to involve more people I like and I think that's yeah. what friendship is. It's like being in war or battle or doing a. You put your heads together and move in a direction, and then you become. You, you right. have a relationship. I mean, even marriage is that way. It's like yeah. we've partnered together to accomplish a task. We've decided some things that we're doing and some things that we're not doing. Here we go. And then closeness and relationship yeah. are forged in that. I don't. Like, I have no social life that I think of as, ha, my friends that are. I just engage with for the sake of pure friendship i don't really i don't even know if i have that
1: uh, yeah there's no random accountant that you only see when you guys have your movie dates once a month like that just right. doesn't exist
0: this, for you that's for right. me
1: yeah and i think i think the difference is like a lot of people need to separate work and pleasure because their work isn't pleasurable it weighs the truth down you know mm-hmm. um and i think for me you know i work with you know all of my friends. I mean, I'm in a band with five of my best friends. I work for Andy Minio as part of his management team, and he and I have become... I see a similar thing. Andy and I were friends for years. Then we started working together, and I started helping him build his career, and now we're really, really good friends. And it's just because we have to talk more, and we have to like learn each other's things more, but we were always friends,
0: mm-hmm. or at least
1: acquaintances, I would I would you know venture to say. But now it's escalated to a point where we're like, Our entire team, Zeke, Dell, we have this super rad, like, A squad, and we all pull different weights, and and we've become really good friends over the last year, just because we've had to talk almost every day, or multiple times a day, Um, and similar with King State, with Nate, uh, you know, Nate Young from Amberlynn, who, I don't know if we've talked Mm -hmm. about that on your podcast or not, but, you know, we're brother-in-laws, we've been friends for like 18 years, and now we're business partners, and it's it's really just a natural progression because I think the difference between people like you and I and everyone else in our circles and like a normal nine to five job is like we work twice as much and I think that's the difference you know yeah. and I think there is like some scenarios where yeah I might make more money than x guy every once in a while but damn sure I've worked three times as hard as that dude so when you break it out hour for hour yeah. i'm probably making minimum wage i've just worked 10,000 hours for 5 years and got nothing for it you know what i yeah. mean
0: no that's so, for sure
1: i think that's, that's really good perspective to keep
0: that doesn't ever make you rethink what you do right i mean you went you at some point when under oath stopped you were looking at what i would call going straight or no like you were looking for a normal job yeah i had a normal job you're trying I to mean, build that with merch yeah. line and stuff
1: yeah, I mean, I worked for my friend Nate for five years, and James, our uh-huh. guitar player, still works there. Mm-hmm. And all of my best friends work there. Jay from the Almost works there. Yeah. Um, it's just a great company to work for and to work alongside. But yeah, I mean, if feel so burnt out on the entrepreneurial build-your-own-thing grind, that they just need that consistency. And by the time I started working for Merchline, I was there. I felt like I was there. You know, um, I felt like I was in a spot where I had toured for so long and, you know, just kind of got burnt out. And, you know, if you go out for one or two tours a year and you make decent money, it's one thing, but when you have to tour 10 months a year just to pay your bills, that's another. Um, and we just got so burnt out and we had families. And I was just like, I just need something that's consistent. And, you know, I built my life around that too. I mean, when we all bought houses or, had a little bit of a good pocket in our career. I specifically remember going, I want to be able to survive on like a fraction of the money I'm making this year. Cause this year is mm-hmm. not the norm. It's an exception. And I have to prepare for that. So I bought a, you know, a very, I, I have a nice house, but I bought a very modest house in comparison um, to what we were being offered by banks and things like that. And just all in all just kind of built my life to where I could go somewhere and make a specific amount of money, a reasonable amount of money that anyone can do that works hard and still live comfortably. And that's what I did. And I did that for five or six years and really just started getting a little stir crazy. And I think really? the one thing, yeah. And I think the one thing that we, I realized is like when you own your own band, when you co-own your own band, um, you own your own businesses, you become really unemployable really fast. And I think like, People like you, I mean, I can't imagine you ever having a manager and then an assistant manager and then a department manager that you have a hierarchy of, like, Matt Carter shows up here, he does these things. When he steps over here, he gets written up and gets deducted or gets PTO. It's like, dude, if I want to take two weeks off, I just take two weeks off, you know? And it's up to me to make sure the ship doesn't go down. And if it goes down, then I get fired. And I mm-hmm. think that's a really cool... Um, you know, dichotomy because I think I thrive in those scenarios where I'm uh, that's interesting. I'm never I'm never not going to come to the table and get the work done, but sometimes I'll do it at midnight and sometimes I'll do it at five A. M. and sometimes I'll do it from twelve to five or nine to five like a normal person.
0: Yeah. Uh, I guess that maybe what that hinges on is just the word responsibility is what pops into my head there. So you take complete responsibility whereas if you're working for somebody else you're like well they hired me to do this and this is what I do so you never you can't you just matter of factly can't be as productive Um, and it's also just not immersive of of a a thing like um, yeah totally I was thinking about this way earlier this week is you need if you're gonna do your own thing you have to you just have to be a person that kind of thrives in chaos, for one. And then secondly, the yeah, thing sure. that make, that pays the dividends is the thing, like you ever know when you're bu- you're starting to buy a new car and you're looking at getting a Land Cruiser, let's say, mm-hmm. and how many you'll notice driving on the road, for instance, right? Yeah, you know that phenomenon 100%. when you you start looking at houses and yeah. then you analyze every house and what it must be worth. So whatever a, it is you have a Camry
1: and all of a sudden you can't not see Camrys.
0: It's all or if you're researching Camrys. So whatever you're doing mm-hmm. is that and anything that you're doing for your own self, you know, if you're an immersive person that takes responsibility, it pays off so big that once you're immersed in things—not for eight hours a day, but twenty-four hours a day—and it's pleasurable, then all the other ancillary things that could be considered work they don't feel like work but they all contribute so maybe if i'm researching a topic totally. or interested in a field like podcasting all day every day if i see a good artwork somewhere for something in a coffee shop i go oh that really sticks out i wonder if my podcast could have art like totally. that or you know it's just it's in everything's in your brain and you notice everything oh that guy s- articulated a thing that way maybe i should try that that's an interesting word or yep. man i'm interested in the topic of uh, philosophy this week but i'm interested in it but if somebody said hey you yeah. need to read two books on philosophy so your podcast will be so you will be better at your accounting job on your own time it'd be like hell no of course not so there's a there's a collaborative totally. effect if you are enjoying playing guitar and learning about guitar pedals um it's not yeah you, you there's no possibility of doing that and thinking of it as work and and being sustained there's just no way you could do that
1: you couldn't totally do and I, yeah and i think that like I think there's also a huge push for me in like surrounding yourself with creative people. Like I was just talking to Grant, um, our bass player about this, you know, Grant, but for everyone who doesn't know, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and we were just talking about different lives and different paths that like certain people take, um, you know, some of the different paths he's taken versus what I've taken and vice versa. Some have been good for me and bad for him and some been great for him and bad for me and all of that. Um, but the one thing I realized is like the pattern with all of us is that we've all done things based on the company we keep. You know? And I've always uh-huh. been and I think we touched on this last week when we were talking about, you know, music and movement and stuff like that. But it's like I've always been for friends in the band. You know, I've always been energy. I've always been uh, the booking agent's friend, the manager's friend, so most of our conversations when we see each other for two hours have always been, you know, things are working on, ideas we have, trying to figure out how to make things come to life. So it's almost wired my brain to really like understand that that's really what we're all doing here, at least in the music industry and in the creative space is like everyone has a thousand ideas, but the people that are making the ideas happen are the people that have yeah. real value.
0: And yeah, that's like, right. There, yeah, I read that you know, somewhere. Maybe I said it, but there's they, somebody said there's no such thing as an idea man. That's not a job. Doesn't exist.
1: Yeah, I'm the I'm I'm the visionary. Well, that's really cool. But like, there's a thousand visionaries, you yeah. know. And I think visionaries that get quoted as visionaries or titled visionaries are people that are had vision and then also had a means of executing. And that's mm-hmm. something that I've learned it's like not just surrounding yourself with people that feed into a positive way of achieving a goal whether it be writing a record managing an artist starting a coffee company starting a podcast opening a bar starting a whatever real estate game anything you want to do you not only have to surround yourself with people that have done it alongside you better worse all of that but then there's this whole other wing where you also have to recognize your weaknesses and everyone knows what they know but a lot of people aren't willing to deep dive into their own like psyche and know what they don't know oh yeah and i think like for me Something I've learned is like when I stop trying to be the John Wayne of every single facet of my business, or my partnership with someone, or my assistance to someone, um, I realize that like I'm more effective at my job. For instance, with like Andy Minio, like I'm not an accountant, but I know the best accountants and the business best business managers in the world. My -hmm. job in that role isn't to. Tell a bunch of people I got it taken care of. It's like, dude, I know who to go to and I'm going to put all of these people around us that are better than us at every single one of their fields and that's why we pay them. It's not an expense. It's an investment for a more stable long-term business.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Somewhere with King State's coffee company or Bad Christian or Breaking Down the podcast. It's like You could do all of it probably, but you do the these two things that only you can do and have rest and learning your weaknesses, and your strengths and that's going, right. I don't want anyone to try to touch my strengths, but I definitely am fully okay with talking about my weaknesses. And I would more than likely give that up along with a bunch of my own money just so I don't have to deal with it. And I can run in the one way that I can do. Yeah. And that's really important. And that's where people get held up is. You know, yeah. People but people, people hear that wrong.
0: Everyone. Sorry, we're having a little glitch again, but the, it's people hear that wrong and think, I don't have to do what I don't want to do. I just pay people to do stuff. I mean, you're privileged to know no. that if you do so, get yourself supported right, you probably are going to be successful anyway because you already have a track record and have had success. And, you know, somebody starting out doesn't just go farm out and be able to pay everybody and expect it to ever yeah. work out kind of thing. So we, we come from a privileged position when we say that. But I just think that, you know, it's taken me exactly my whole life to even begin to learn how to let go of stuff. But had I not been a control freak for the period of time that I was, I wouldn't have learned all the things that I know that I know to let go of. So that's part of the balance of it as well. You know, you like I, I never say there accounting. Now, yeah. I don't know anything about accounting. Yep. I say, well, I, I know a pretty decent amount about accounting, and I hate it. Is what I that's what I know. It's not it's not that well, That's not my expert field. I mean, I, I do yeah. get it. I hate it. Yeah, you know, basically. Totally. I mean, I've done accounting
1: for two businesses now, and I know that it's a chore, and it's not something I enjoy. But beyond that, there's other people that are better at it, and I lose yeah. money every year that I try to file my own taxes by myself because someone else knows how to do it better. Someone else yeah. knows how to manage purchases better or financing better. So. It saves you money in the long run. And that yeah, you only know that because you've already done every single aspect of the business mm-hmm. yourself for a decade. And now you can really have honest
0: introspection
1: mm-hmm. as a I, business I owner or an idea man or a visionary.
0: Yeah. The other thing that's interesting that's come to me lately, and I know you're on this wavelength too as we've discussed it, but it's like the way I negotiate has changed almost entirely. But after, after, after doing this bad Christian thing and getting it going and working with so many friends where they're actually dependent on you and it's not just... A band but it's all these other things my negotiating used to just be just try to get stuff as cheap as you can or whatever and now yeah. it's i don't i just don't use that anymore i just unless it's somebody i don't know and have no affiliation from and then it's like whatever i mean it's you know i'd like to get the highest deal i could on a t- some whatever one-off deal with some company that i don't know or something uh, or even Television, a freelance yeah. thing that nobody you know but um in general if i'm gonna have to work with the people i have to Give them at least as much money As that they will be stoked I can't have anybody around me Or my culture that feels like I'm not getting a f- my f- fair share I'd, That'll ruin the whole culture So if, uh, if you're one of my friends That I text with And we have a money deal My question is not Here's what I offer you It's like, here's, the way I, here's the way I always phrase it lately And it's worked so far Is What is the minimum amount of money That you will need To where you're stoked to do this Completely Sure. What's well, the lowest amount of money where you will be stoked to be doing this? And then if, yeah. if I can't afford it, I can't afford it. I understand that. But I don't want you to do it for really less. I don't want you to. And then that's really been working out yeah. for me lately so far. It's probably some stuff I need to tweak, but that's, that's a premise I've been using to negotiate lately.
1: Yeah, and what's really cool is what, what that type of ethos does. And sorry if it's glitchy. I'm hearing you perfect. No, so it's I hope it's that okay. I'm coming back perfect. Yeah, you're okay. um, I mean, you have like you have Bunda and Reba and all these people, and I mean, I think they're all sitting even right behind you. The cool thing about like knowing where you're coming from and knowing that it's like honest and communal based, even though you have a business to run and your goal is to make money on top of all the expenses you pay everyone else, is that you can have conversations like this in public. And there's not anything weird. You're not talking yep, about. That's right. Well, how do I get a raise? Like, what if I? What if I'm the ad guy, and that we go from, uh, twenty-five million dollars a year in ads to five hundred million? Like, how am I going to get compensated? Like, there's a very clear dialogue of like, dude, I got to make this ship float, which means I can't give you everything you ever want because if I gave you that, like, nothing works. But there's mm-hmm. also this really cool thing of like, I'm not coming at you to get the most out of you for the least money I can pay you, and make you get a second job around christmas and i'm just sitting here bawling you know and i think yeah. that's really important and like we've always run our businesses like that i mean that's me personally and then under oath and all of our friends it's like i remember randy coming to us in like 2005 going you have the highest paid crew in the scene like what the hell yeah, are you you've guys always doing been
0: crazy with that yeah
1: and it's like but these people make our show go off without a hitch me beyond that like they're my friends like I know I could probably get a drum tech for $400 and an internship credit from some drum school, but like, no, like our dudes are going to make like really, really good What money. do you pay
0: a drum tech range? You don't have to um, say a specific guy, but what kind of, what kind of money do you pay a drum tech? Uh,
1: drum techs normally, I think in our area get between 500 and 700, I would say. Uh-huh. And we're at about a thousand. Um, and I don't have anything about money. Like I don't care about money. I I think when people get weird about money, it's because they care too much. It's like, you know, someone constantly drilling home that they're not an alcoholic. It's like, oh, then you're actually the alcoholic. You know, it's like, I I think people that can't just be honest about things uh, have some weird issue with it. But yeah, I mean, we pay everyone in our crew makes $1,000 a week or more, which is more money than my dad's ever made in
0: his life. How much, how many people are on the crew? uh,
1: Six. So uh-huh. we have probably about ten thousand to t- eleven thousand dollars a week just in personal salaries My for our people that are our friends, just to make our show happen. So people hear, uh-huh. oh, they made five or ten or twenty thousand dollars last night. It's like, dude, yeah, we spent all of it on like everything—the <laughs> lights, the truck, the crew, the bus—and so I mean, it's really funny. I think Aaron Lunsford even touched on that in his book that he wrote. He's like everyone thinks we're rich and under oath is probably the closest band to being rich in marcine because they kind of became the biggest for a minute and even yeah. those dudes finally just started making like what's considered good money and now yeah. we're just, and and I don't complain at all but it's funny because you know you'll see a million dollars come in in like six months and 80% percent of it is just gone and then yes, the other yeah. 20% of it split seven ways yeah you know between your manager and six members so it's like there's there it is a it is a Tetris game but yeah I mean it's like those dudes crush and like and and those are those things come from you know just long lines of figuring that out and you know back in the day we pay always paid our drum tech six to seven fifty and we had dudes like working in the headlining bands that were making a hundred dollars less than our tech and it's like yeah i understand that because when you're the guy you have all the leverage you're the boss you own bad christian you own uh, break it down, that like you could fire everyone behind you and hire interns now because you could put a PSA and 40,000 people would hit you up. You're not mm-hmm. doing that for a reason because you have ethics and it's not about, like what good is a castle when there's no one to eat at the table with? You know, yeah. I'd rather make less money and have all my friends make enough money where on a day off, we could all go get a five beers and like have a rage night and just decompress, you know? But when there's only one dude on the tour making money and you're at the cocktail bar yes, drinking that would be $15 so bad, Mai Ties yeah.
0: alone, that's, that's what right. Like, would you? Are would you want to like that's what I ask of people it's a lot horrible. of times and myself so that if this worked and was super successful would that be could that be bad you know like what would be bad about it like like what if I negotiated to get all the money and I did Whew, that would be horrible if it worked out it really would it'd be isolating and it wouldn't even be good so you gotta be yeah. careful with with that whole mentality of I don't know whatever that is but for sure I agree with that. Yeah. Oh, I want to talk about another thing while you're on vacation here and Shift Gears but <laughs> tell me about this tell me about this VR stuff. I've been thinking a lot. I haven't ever touched VR and I don't uh-huh. know almost anything about it but I find myself thinking about it a lot. But uh, tell me what you were talking about about VR earlier. Oh man yeah, I did a tour last
1: year. A dude came with like a 360 camera and shot our set in VR. Ended up being pretty cool, but not, it was like kind of pre-market. Um, mm-hmm. And then this year we went back to San Francisco, and a VR company came and shot for me the Horizon. But what's really interesting is that like Chris, our keyboard player, has gotten really into VR. And he's actually mm-hmm. started a VR company with one of our developer friends from Orlando. It's going to be insane. Oh, and i, I got to talk I, to
0: him I, about this then. You give me 10 minutes yeah. of it, and I'll have him on sometime.
1: Oh, dude, I mean, I can't, I can't even tell you about it because it's like, it's kind of, I don't know what it is, but there's, like, a bunch of NDA stuff, and yeah. they're talking to, like, Oculus Rift guys and stuff. It's wild. But, like, anyway, we've been immersed in this just mainly through Chris, but then have a couple friends, mainly one of our friends, Joel from San Francisco, um, who works at a VR firm, and he, edits, or he audits content, and they work on a lot of other things. And he was just telling us all of these crazy things that are happening with VR technology now, all the way from, like, really weird, like sex stuff to like really cool sex stuff um with like people that are in the military and like they have families back home and there's ways to like make that experience work in a really like
0: nice. i'm
1: back home for a minute way all the way down to like the really gross stuff that we don't need to get into but like the really cool thing about it is like realizing how vast it is and then realizing how augmented our reality is already oh, yeah And then once we started living in VR and there's 360 cameras like at this resort that I'm at, you could go to your local like VR spot and just get some mist and some heat sprayed on you and then just look around and feel like you're there without having to go there. And that's a really extreme example, but it was just blowing my mind because there's so much that that like mentality starts in your brain. Where you're like, you could literally have a piece of glass on your face and feel like you're somewhere else and someone else, whether it be good or bad or productive or nonproductive. And how real it's going to be makes you start questioning like our own reality, our own existence, all yep. of that stuff. Like, how mm-hmm. did we get here? And there's the whole AI loop scenario where as soon as we close the AI loop internally as a human race, we, by and large put the odds that we're just an AI loop that thinks we're self-aware, but we're not, right. like, at a huge level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being people that were raised as, like, uh, super conservative Christian people to believe that we're created and there's a purpose for everything and everyone decides everything they have versus this very interesting uh, VR way of thinking is just really interesting. I think we're all yeah. deconstructing faith in a, in, a, in a pretty big way now. I don't think that, like, my parents version of Christianity or my wife's parents' versions of Christianity are gonna live past them. I think mm-hmm. a lot of those things will die with them. And I don't think it was good or bad. I just think it was a transitional point for the ideas. But mm-hmm. I also think it's like it's getting even weirder now where a lot of lines are being blurred and and not in a scary way, but more just in a like you kind of hit that holy shit moment where you're like, wow, like mm-hmm. this stuff is
0: wild. It's like be we're able getting to close. On VR, Because I've been paying attention to stuff like that for a long time. I think about it a lot. But I, I intentionally mm-hmm. – here's the thing that I do is I intentionally don't get into stuff that I know that I would get into. So I yep. avoid VR because – it's, first of all, I don't think it's there you. yet, and I would probably get way into it, and I'd probably mm-hmm. spend a bunch of money and time on technology that's not quite there yet. But I'm I, when when as soon as the people, the guinea pigs, the Chris's, and the people out there are telling me it's ready and it's time to go, and this is it, I want to be. Very early on it, and I think about it a lot, um, but I don't want to get into it because I think it would be so consuming. I, in fact, I was an audio guy for so long. I made myself not touch cameras or learn what cameras were on purpose. Like I knew I would understand aperture, mm-hmm. and frame rate, and I knew those thing that would be up my alley. I could do, but I intentionally did not do it uh, until recently. Like I've gotten through the audio thing. I've done music now, podcasts and I was like, all right, bring some cameras in here. I'll start looking at. Here we go. And now I, you know, they kind of understand video and cameras a bit. Lighting's the same way, but VR is a whole nother level. I mean, it's, yeah. it's going to be such a big deal in the future, and I can't. I just, it's just limitless what it's going to be. But the um, the thing that's the freakiest about totally. it to me is that uh, it 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 can't be. I don't think it'll be wrong. I don't even think it's scary. I just think it's going to be normal the same way that when you when you're texting, you just say, "I'm talking to Tim." Right. If yeah. I'm texting with you, I just say I'm sure. talking to Tim, and no. And yep. a, the first time texting came out, you just said, "What do you mean you're talking to him? You're just pushing yeah. buttons on a phone and sending some words across." The, that that's not talking, is what anybody. you would have felt that was really foreign the first time you ever could have messaged somebody to refer to that as I'm talking to them would have been bizarro. And VR is the same thing. You say, "Oh, I'm at the beach in Mexico." What are you talking about? You're in VR, man. But you will. But you it will yep. become that will blur so far that it just won't. You know. You say, I'm doing this thing online. And somebody else would say, no, you're sitting on a computer. No, I'm I'm doing whatever I'm doing. And that's what VR yeah, is going to be. It's totally. going to be so immersive and so common that it's just that the reality will be spoken of as realities without yep. even the caveat that, oh, I mean a VR version of that. That'll go away in five years once it happens. It'll, you won't have to specify that you're doing something in VR anymore. It'll just be – it'll be considered real experience, period.
1: Yeah, and what, what's even inter- more interesting is that, with that is, like, to add to that, like, my wife and I have that conversation a lot with our kids. And yeah, she's don't even think about the kids. She's It'll actually, be pure to them. Yeah, she's not She's not super conservative, but she's definitely, like, less into, like, dreamcasting, like, the weird, like, small uh, nuances of our life that will die with us and our kids won't ever know, but even, like, mm-hmm. thinking about, like, my kids... Are going to grow up with like weed being like It's like, yo, let's get like three beers after the show. Like, no problem. You text your wife, like, hey, babe, love to talk. Grabbing some beers with Matt, I'll call you after. Like, yeah. that's going to be the same thing with weed with our kids. They're going to be like, yo, like, let's go to whatever <laughs> and like smoke a blunt and then like, let's go check out a movie and it's going to be completely commonplace. True, yeah. And then, like, even with the whole like homosexuality thing that everyone's still up in arms about, it's like, dude my kids are going to grow up and not even know the difference. They're just going to know that there's the one choice, which is left and one choice that's right. And like, not like correct as in left and right is in a direction. Um, and that's basically it. And it's not a good or bad or like this big to do and race and all that. I think we're just constantly going to start ironing these things out. I hope, and I'm doing my part to do that to where, My kids don't ever have to be faced with these weird, like, is it okay that I laugh at this? Or is it okay that I have a friend who's gay? Like, oh, my God. Like, the world's ending. It's like they're just Mm -hmm. never even going to know. It's just like it's not even going to be, oh, I have a gay friend. It's like, oh, that's my friend. When someone asks, oh, he has a boyfriend. It's fine. You know? Um, And so it's really interesting. And then the VR thing is like, like you said, that whole... um, adaptation of that just being normal is gonna happen and then like I think it's gonna go even further just similar to GoPros but imagine a VR GoPro where instead of watching an undero show in VR, you can be me. <laughs> you can be Aaron. You yeah. could be Spencer. Like you could literally sit with a bag of potato chips butt naked with a huge piece of glasses on and B Spencer in the front row like So that
0: would be the new version of rock band. Like dude, instead of underrow songs on rock band, you're literally man. sitting on stage in Aaron's seat and you have yeah. the opportunity to see if you can pull it off. And you get or to see like, Tim run up to you with his guitar and look at you and point at you and you point back with the twirl of the drumstick and go right back into playing and see if you can 100. pull off the, the the vocals too. I mean dude, so what? That is your opportunity 100. to try. Yeah, and
1: it's like it's going to be a new like VIP experience. Like buy, mm, a, that's, you know, horribly buy a buy a
0: though. ticket
1: to LA and get a free VIP pass to your favorite member at any other show. We're going to have mm-hmm. cameras on the whole tour, so it's <laughs> like you get this really immersive experience that's bigger than watching a soundtrack or watching a documentary or watching a YouTube video update. It's like, dude, I'm watching this stuff real time, and then like there's going to be some fugazi punk rock bands that we don't charge just put cameras everywhere and it's open source and like break the whole thing down again. And it's like always going to be elevating and recycling. Um, Let me put a question to
0: you and I'll let you go because I don't want to keep you long on vacation. But let me say, let me go back to something we talked about last week and tie exactly to what you're talking about right now. Last week we were discussing the energy when you get all those people together and the way that looks and feels and what's really going on there. Will that be simulator, simulatable in VR? Just like you'll have a crowd. At, will you feel, for instance, nervous or stage fright, yes. even though you know it's VR? Will it, will it really be there? Or is there some inescapable part of the energy that's intangible or immaterial? And if so. That pa- we know that power is so addictive and attractive. If you had the ability to not work on playing guitar to get good, to get fans, but you could walk into a VR thing and play for 5,000 people, and they get to be James and play guitar with you at an Under Oath show, wh- how would anybody ever not just start doing that right away and live there for the rest of their life? Like, as powerful sure. as the power of the crowd and if, if those things can be recreated wouldn't it suck everybody in immediately just playing stadium arena video games instead of ever playing music or going on a date
1: <laughs> yeah totally well so just to be clear i got a 10% battery warning like yep. 5 minutes We're, ago so if i cut no off no problem that's what happened and i'll see you, you next week um thanks for listening no i think uh i think the biggest thing for me is like Yeah, it's going to be so immersive. And so, my friend Joel from San Francisco, the VR dude, he brought this thing called a bass pack, right? And so, it's for VR, it's for video games. It's a bass thing you strap to your body, and it's a full, like, it looks like a camelback, like those uh, Uh mountain bike things. It's got multiple subwoofers. And as the bass goes up and down, like if you listen to like an EDM or a hip hop song, and it's like bing, boom, boom, bing, boom, it hits different parts of your back which are scientifically placed there to make you feel like it's going up and then down, and you literally oh. feel like you're sitting next to a subwoofer. So imagine, like, as that technology goes, you have a base pack, you have a leg, you have, like, a throat thing. It's hot when you walk in front of a light in VR, and then it gets cool as you walk away. Like, It's going to get, like, bodysuit level very yeah. soon, I believe, and it's going going to be to a point where like it's going to help a lot of people. Like, you can't be at a birthday party or something. They're going to be able to enjoy this experience as if they were right there. It's going to be beautiful, which we even saw at the Super Bowl with, I think, Samsung or Subaru or something, where there was this immersive 3D, non-VR, mm-hmm. but similar scenario with like, troops and their families as beautiful. Like, there's going to be these good moments, and there's going to be really bad moments, you know, where like your 13-year-old kids 400 pounds that thinks he's in Metallica or your your 17 year old sons like can't be married because he keeps having sex with like, you know, Kim Kardashian who's instead of (laughs) something like VR experiences where you're the guy, you know, and that's what's going to happen. So it's like with every good thing that happens, it's a bad thing. And as long as, and, and that's when we realize like, it's not about like society raising our expectations or lowering them or raising my children. Like I have to raise my children to know That there's, you know, there's beer, there's alcohol, there's sex, there's drugs, there's morality, there's immorality. And, you know, they're going to have a curve that I don't have as they grow into their things. They're going to be like, oh, that's my old fashioned dad versus going, I can't believe my dad instilled this. I'm so glad I haven't done all of these things. I was able to achieve all of these things. And that's really my goal. But you're right. I think the VR thing is going to have a lot of, like, very damaging effects in the gaming, lackadaisical world it's also going to have a lot of beautiful effects and there's a mm-hmm. lot of people in the VR community that are know that porn and disgusting things and murder scenes and like all like, dude, everything you can imagine, which is crazy. Yeah, everything, yeah. Like you could be like, dude, I just always wanted to like stab an old lady and someone's going to like give you the opportunity to like murder. Yeah. That's then Westworld then, too. Yeah. Then not go to jail. yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's we're almost there. Yeah. And so as you see in that, it's like, there's a lot of bad people, and there's a lot, like a few good people, and I think there's a lot of people we are that to stab know it's an dummy. old lady. Yeah,
0: um, that, we can um, title the episode. i never if you wanted like. to do
1: that. <laughs> yeah, old lady gets stabbed on Break It Down podcast with Matt Carter, <laughs> only in virtual reality. Uh, but yeah, it's just one of those things where it's going to be there, and there's a lot of cool people that are understanding that the porn industry, just like movies, just like the internet, is going to be a huge industry, and they're actively working to equalize that. And know that they can't stop it. So let's just make sure there's enough light where, where there's a lot of dark. And I and mm-hmm. I really enjoy that. And I think that's really important.
0: It's a brave way to look at it. You just got to hang in there and do it and not resist the technologies. I mean, one hundred percent. I have another whole thought, which we'll get into another time. Of just, I think we're in the most dangerous time of all to get out of the technology loop. Like. We have the potential to be the biggest lame duck generation of all time, I believe. People that are our age, do I really do believe that? So I think you know, you just can't lean out of technology and say, "Ah, oh, it's for the kids." You just, you might could have gotten away with that in previous centuries and decades. You won't yep. be able to in the future, or you, nope. tr- you just can't. And no generations below us, I believe, they'll all be very adoptive of new technologies. Always, you know Wonderful. what I'm saying. So that that one gap of people like us that grew up the time we did without the internet before this tech revolution we're in the yep. the most danger of anybody of being obsolete 100 beings but anyway right. thank you for giving me your time on your vacation i hope you have a great time i'm um, enjoying you. this very much and we'll talk to you next week about whatever we can come up with
1: it's my pleasure i'll talk to you soon see you guys
0: next thursday thanks tim all right see you guys Okay, so you guys know the label, and you love the bands and the music, but the tooth and nail thing is much bigger than that. Now, the independent music scene has always been fueled by word of mouth, and with word of mouth comes stories and rumors and all the lore that make up its culture.
1: But we were literally walking to Taco Bell to get food, and he just stopped off in a dumpster in the Taco Bell parking lot and was, like, pulling food out.
0: So no doubt you've heard rumors and some of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes and some of the stuff that's happened to the bands on the road, but how do you know what's true and what's not?
1: Chad said, Chris, come with me, grab your acoustic guitar. And I I didn't really know what we were up to and kind of threw me in this tent and there was people there. And I said, what am I doing here? And he said, well, you're gonna gonna play dashboard zones. People are gonna love this.
0: So join me, Matt Carter, and Toby Morell from Emory. And so trying to find them and meet up with them and get a hold of them was just unbelievable. And Aaron Lunsford from As Cities Burn. You're going to come on Tooth and Nail. You're going to be the next under oath. It's going to be awesome. We're going to investigate the stories. There was a point in time where I was getting Bible verses yelled at me, and I just thought, this is ridiculous. At that point, I was like, let's go home because this is not where I want to be. And we talked to the artist. said, like, I could leave if you'd rather. <laughs> we talked to the a and guys, the tour managers, the producers, everybody involved. And I'm
1: like, am I the only one who's hearing this story right now? Am I taking crazy pills? Like, why don't you just borrow someone's
0: cell phone? <laughs> so we're excited to announce... Labeled, the stories, rumors, and legends of Tooth & Nail Records. Season one is coming soon, so subscribe right now on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can just search Labeled or Tooth & Nail Podcast. See you soon. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh. That's
1: what